You know, there's nobody I'd rather spend time with than this woman right here. (laughs) Isn't it nice to be able to say that? There's nobody I'd rather spend time with, and we've come to enjoy a new facet of our married life. You know what that is? Giving messages together. That's right. (laughs) It's easier for me. It's fun. Only have to give half the message. <laughs> you know, many people find it painful to be together, but we find it painful to be apart and a privilege to be together. Well, gentlemen, ladies, you can be included in this too, but I'd like you to go back to your wedding day. I'd like you to go back in your thoughts to that day when you saw... Your bride, well, I'm going to tell you what happened with me, then you can picture it however it happened with you, okay? We were married in a very large church, big 1,300-member church, and saw the aisle was very long, and I saw those doors open in the back, and my heart just began to pound. I felt, you like that, Paul? (laughs) I found the feelings of excitement and enthusiasm and anxiety. My heart was just pounding. I could feel the palms of my hands starting to sweat. Now, my wife, as we talked about this later, were you feeling those kind of things? Not at all. I was so excited. I could just hardly wait. I was just looking forward to it. I thought he was the most wonderful man in the world, and the Lord has shown me he is. He's the most wonderful man in the world for me. Well, I don't want to give the wrong impression. All those feelings I was having was not because I didn't think she was the most wonderful woman in the world. I just had a different reaction. You know, we're supposed to be brave and all these things, and I'm just standing up there and wondering, can the people see my heart pounding through my shirt? (laughs) Well, it was a special, special day for us, and we look back over that, and it's nothing but beautiful memories. It would be wonderful if I could say to you, that all the words of that song became a reality from that day forward. But as you're coming to recognize in your own experience, just because we desire to do the will of God is not enough, is it? We've got to understand how to walk the walk, and we did not understand that then. We were very sincere, so sincere that that night, the first night of our honeymoon, we were staying at an airport hotel, getting ready to fly to the place where we were going to have our honeymoon, and we started a tradition that we said we were going to do all of our married life. Remember what that was? Definitely. What was it? To read the 1 Corinthians 13 every night together. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? We're supposed to read that every day, aren't we? Well, we read that that night. It was wonderful. We had a wonderful honeymoon together. You know, I understand why in in the dispensation of Israel of old, they gave them a year off. (laughs) Our honeymoon only lasted for five days or six days. That wasn't enough time. We need a year off, don't we? A year off to adjust to 
moving from a mind that's operating in more of a me mode to the mind that's operating in the us mode. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is singleness of mind. The reality was, after the honeymoon, and we both got back into work, our minds were taken off, and all the busyness, and all the pressures, and all the duties that we had to do. And I thought that outside of work, every extra moment of time, we would just be together. We would talk, and we would do things, and we would just have a wonderful time, and it was just exciting. That was my anticipation, and that was my expectation. I thought every moment we're not having to work, we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. Sounds great, doesn't it? Unfortunately, I didn't have the same vision. <laughs> now, I didn't know that I didn't have that That's same right. vision then. I wasn't intentionally having an opposite vision, but I didn't really understand myself, and so... What I found myself doing was trying to fit my new wife into my old life. Doesn't that sound good? I'm just adding in a new wife into my already existing life. And it didn't work very well. It didn't work very well at all. (laughs) Because when you're trying to fit your new wife into a lifestyle that God is really trying to get you away from and call you away from, it doesn't work very well. And it creates a lot of hurt feelings because in reality, as I look back at it, it took me a few months to start realizing this in our marriage, but as I looked back at it, I was trying to live a married life with a single lifestyle mindset. And it just doesn't work very well at all. What we want to talk about today is singleness of mind. That means that our attention is to take two individuals and to blend them together as one in harmony with each other. It's a state of being one, to be separate from all the others. And the difficulty that many couples go into is when they enter into the marriage relationship, they have a part of their thoughts that are married thoughts and a part of their thoughts that are very much self-focused. It becomes me and I and my way, and the other spouse can have me and I and my way, and we find that it begins to divide instead of bringing us together into harmony. Not intentionally. And it doesn't mean that when we come together to have the singleness of mind that I have to get my wife to be like me. That's right. That I have to get my wife to think like me. Wouldn't that be sad, husbands? We had to get our wives to think like we think? It'd be pretty miserable, wouldn't it? I mean, when you really think about it, the reason God brings us together is because the two together, blended together in Him, makes a better whole, doesn't it? That's right. At least that's the way God desires it to be. That means we'll be wholly devoted in every decision that we have in our home, wholly devoted, that we consider the other person. We are not making decisions based on my thoughts in my way, but based on we are together as one, blended together, heart to heart. And we will make our decisions based off both of our understandings so that we come to an agreement. Learning that to think in the relationship, it is us, it is not me. And that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Love seeketh not her own. Amen. 
That's just one of the principles there. Now, naturally, it's not the way we think, though, is it? More naturally, what we think is, well, if she would just do this, then I'd be happy. If he would just do that, then things would go better. It's still thinking of the me focus instead of the us focus. I remember one day we went into town, and we go into town as infrequently as we can. <laughs> because town is just town days, because we, we live 65 miles from where we do our shopping, town days are very big days. And so we don't look forward to those, all the things that have to be accomplished in those days. But we try to be very efficient. And so she goes one place and I go another place. And I tend to like to go to the places that well, men would tend to like to go to more, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't mind going to Costco and seeing what, you know, what's there in the tools. Maybe they've got new tools out and I can look at those while she's over in the grocery section. I don't mind going to the Walmart. But I don't really care that much about going to the grocery store. And you so here, eat, I do like to eat. But here, but here on this particular day, I was sitting in the vehicle, and I usually bring along things to do so that I can be efficient with my time, take along ministry correspondence or things that need to be done so that I'm sitting there and she's in the grocery store. This particular day, the Lord just prompted me, go with your wife into Super One. That's our, one of our grocery stores there. Go with my wife. It's a waste of time, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I just visualized myself pushing this basket around in the store. <laughs> I can be out here in the van using my time more efficiently. And that long-suffering Lord called gently to my heart, go with your wife. And so I'm learning that when the Lord calls, no matter how awkward it sounds or no matter how it goes against the flesh, we're happier when we follow what he's asking us to do. Amen. Not with our teeth gritted and our arms folded, but Lord, I'm willing to do what you're asking me to do. And so I made the cheerful, willing-hearted decision to go into the store and surprise my wife. And Here I, I was surprised, <laughs> and it was great, because I knew he came in there because the Lord sent him, and he wanted to be there. It makes a big difference. You know what the Lord impressed upon me was, as I was going through the store? And I, I want to emphasize, I wasn't going through the store with a scowly face and, you know, let's get this thing over with. Or sometimes when I would go in the store with her, I'd say, okay, what else do you need? I'll go down this side of the store and you go down this side of the store. Let's get this done. I was in there and I was with my wife all the way with her because I was thinking of efficiency for my marriage. Amen. The Lord dawned that on my thoughts in that grocery store. Stop thinking about efficiency for efficiency's sake. Start thinking about having efficiency for your wife's sake. God has different ways. They're higher than our ways. He thinks higher than we think. And sometimes the very opposite of what we think. And if we'll do those things, oh, it was delightful. Not just for my wife. It was delightful for me. That was so great. God wants to give us new efficiency, men, in other areas of the marriage. Now, it may not be difficult for us as women to go with our husbands. I mean, I can go with my husband into the hardware store and thoroughly enjoy it. I even go sometimes in with him to the automotive store and enjoy it, even though I don't know what all the pieces are. But the Lord 
has sometimes a different way to work in our hearts than he would our husband's heart. What is hard for one may not be hard for another, but God knows where he needs to work in each of our hearts individually. Whatever our preferences are, whatever our personality is, he knows just how to reach into our hearts that he can blend us together as one, heart to heart. And it comes with that singleness of mind. For me, the Spirit calls often to my heart not to be wounded over little things my husband may say while he has no intention of any um, maliciousness, but because of sometimes we women are more sensitive, we like to have a lot of um, affirmation, we like a great amount of appreciation and recognition, and, you know, we're in the home a lot with the daily duties, and, you know, the devil can come in and make you feel like, well, all you do is homeschool and dishes and this and that, you know. And, you know, the devil comes in with all kind of ideas. And when the Lord calls to our heart, when, a, when our husband makes a simple little comment that is just because he's got something else on his mind and he just asks us to do something and it's just said very, very straight, very quick, very to the point, we don't need to be wounded over those little things. Amen. God works in my heart in this way, not to be sensitive and so easily misunderstood or to misunderstand my husband. So God knows just what each of us needs to work in our hearts to blend us because it is us together. It is the we in the marriage. It is not me and you. So what happens to women when they get into a double-minded condition? What happens? (laughs) Well, this is what happens to me. The Lord calls to my heart on one side to re- remind me that love suffereth long and is kind. Remember that? That 1 Corinthians 13. And the devil's in this other ear saying, yes, but your husband didn't say it very nicely or he didn't say anything. He just got up from the table and walked away or whatever it may be. And when we begin to play this double-mindedness, that means I'm thinking my own thoughts and what I need and what I want, and then... The Spirit call into my heart, but what, does, what do I need to do to blend the marriage together to have appreciation to reach out to my husband? That double-mindedness brings us to confusion. We have to set aside the me and focus on the us in the marriage. We used to talk about anything and everything, it seemed like, mm-hmm. before we got married. We could not run out of things to talk about. Just just fill up the time. Give me as much time as I can have, and I'll fill it up with just talking. When we got back from our honeymoon, we would drive to work together. What was it, 20 miles? Yeah, about 40 minutes. And I would just be driving down the road, looking straight ahead. And do you remember what you said to me that one day? Yes. Honey? Yeah, she remembers. How come you don't talk to me anymore? Well, that seems like a pretty simple question. But I didn't say that the first day or the second day or the third day. This was said several weeks, maybe even a couple months into the marriage, because all of a sudden we just had a very silent uh, commute in the morning and in the evening, day after day, day after day. And you know what happens in our feelings and our emotions? 
we, though, the, we just start letting our minds just take right off. And I was becoming very wounded and very hurt. And I finally said to him, how come you don't talk to me anymore? See, she noticed something that I didn't notice, and that is when we would go somewhere with some other friends, I talked just like I always talk to my friends. Just the same. But I didn't talk to her the way I used to talk to her when nobody else was around. And I know many men have experienced that mm -hmm. and don't even recognize what it is. What happens in your thoughts? Because I remember very well what started happening in your thoughts at that time. Well, I began to be very self-focused and so wounded and so hurt that it started to build bitterness and animosity and anger and irritation with my husband. And I was finding that I was... These feelings, because I didn't know or wasn't willing to communicate them early on, they began to build up and build up and build up inside of me until I was very uh, explosive. And, and did that make me more communicative? No, he only got more <laughs> quiet. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the little things that turn into big ones. It was just a small thing, but I let it begin to irritate me and to begin to agitate me until it grew and it grew and it grew. And I was starting to have thoughts like, well, he doesn't love me anymore. He likes his friends better than he likes me. He doesn't appreciate me anymore. Maybe he doesn't even want to be married anymore. I mean, the devil just brings in all kind of thoughts. And when we get on those, that train, that's a devil's train. It's a fast train to destruction. Amen. They're disastrous thoughts. They'll destroy marriages. They separate the minds... And they draw a division, and it tears the marriage apart. There's a, a reference in Ministry of Healing, page 360. It says, often our own attitude. Whose attitude? Our own. Our own attitude, the atmosphere that surrounds ourselves, which determines... It's that attitude or the thoughts that we have which will determine what will be revealed to us in another. Isn't that interesting? You know, the thoughts that I was feeling and stuffing down and trying to deal with in my flesh but not in the spirit, it was developing, those thoughts in me was developing attitudes about my husband that he was beginning to live because that is what I thought of him. And they weren't right thoughts. Mm -hmm. We know of a situation, a very sad situation, where a woman began rehearsing over and over and over all these negative things about her husband. And she started saying all the negative things that she thought was, were going to start happening next. And my wife tried to share with her this attitude that you have about your husband, even though it may be right in some respects, you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Isn't that interesting? A self-fulfilling prophecy. And the further you go in those thoughts, the darker those thoughts will become, the more hopeless your situation will appear. And you know what sadly happened to that woman? She made a comment to my wife one day on the telephone that I think I'd be better off without my husband. And I'll tell you, my wife gave her a very... Very sweet but firm counsel regarding that statement. Amen. She said, you're on dangerous ground. Amen. She said, you don't have any idea what your life will be like if you lose your husband. 
you don't have any idea. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, that woman would not turn from that course. And she has found out what it's like to not have a husband. And it wasn't so good as she thought it would be. You know, she's going to be better off without a husband, right? Not as good as she thought it was going to be. These thoughts cannot be toyed with, brothers Amen. and sisters. And you may, you may sit there today and say, well, we would never get involved in a divorce. We would never do that. That's not our situation. But I'll tell you something. If you are not striving and daily making decisions to blend together in singleness of mind, if you're allowing these thoughts to come in and harbor them, bitterness, resentment, feelings of unforgiveness, mm -hmm. whatever they are, if you're allowing those feelings to come in, they will be eroding away your relationship mm -hmm. quietly and steadily to the point that when things start breaking down in your communication, it becomes very difficult to work through it. That was where my mind was headed early in the marriage. And I praise God that he stopped that kind of Amen. thinking. Because we wouldn't be here today. God wants to take our selfish, self-focused thoughts and he wants to turn them into right thoughts and stop being so concerned about the me and what can I do to strengthen the us in Amen. the relationship. Because that's where we find our greatest joy. That's where we find the Spirit of God changing us. We find the real joy and that harmony. We understand better that relationship, that marriage relationship mm -hmm. between us and our Heavenly Father when we understand how that relationship affects us as husbands and wives. And I'm thankful that God has turned my heart around from those kind of thoughts because they are disastrous. Singleness of mind means wholehearted how much? Wholehearted. Wholehearted devotion to the marriage union. Many Amen. of you here know that the marriage union is the one thing on earth that represents the union between Christ and his people. The marriage union represents that, brothers and sisters. Are we wholeheartedly devoted to the marriage union? Now, husbands, if I ask your wife, and I won't do that... <laughs> I won't meddle in that. But if I ask your wife right now, is your husband wholeheartedly devoted to your marriage union? I see some heads nodding yes. Amen. <laughs> but you know, if that is not there, the wife is going to feel it first. Mm -hmm. Because many husbands that I know, not just in their first year of marriage, but I know husbands that are in their 20th year of marriage, their 25th year of marriage, who are still holding the same mentality I had of this, I'm living my lifestyle and fitting my wife into it. That is plain selfishness, brothers. And if that is the experience you're having, you're not wholeheartedly devoted to the marriage union. That's right. You're not single of mind in that marriage relationship. It means that we will refuse in thought and word and deed. Anything that comes in there that does not build that marriage relationship, that we will refuse to entertain it. That is blending our hearts together because otherwise the devil will come in and he will take little tiny situations and he will get very big results. I'm going to share a, just a little situation that happened. 
You know, it's in the little things of life. It's in the little decisions that we make. It's not in the big crises that marriages are tested. That's right. It's in the little things of daily life that we, we really test the fabric of our wholeheartedness to marriage. And this particular day, we're sitting at the table, and I asked where the peanut butter was. Okay? Didn't see the peanut butter on the table. Now, I have to tell you that we've cut way down on our peanut butter. That's one of the reasons it wasn't on the table. <laughs> this particular day, I just wanted some peanut butter. And so, normally, if I would say, where's the peanut butter? I would get up from the table and go get it or ask one of the ta- children, to, would you please bring the peanut butter to the table? Just that simple. I don't have because to say. I love him. Now, honey, go get me the peanut butter, please. <laughs> just normally, she would just get up and go fetch the peanut butter. Not because she's a slave, but because she loves me. Amen. She's wholeheartedly devoted to me. But, do you know what she did? She, she didn't say a word. She just pointed with her thumb <laughs> toward the refrigerator. And Which was pretty out of character. I must admit, it really took me back for a moment. <laughs> she didn't say a word. But you know... Brothers and sisters, if we are really learning how to be slow to speak, you know, if we're really learning how to be swift to hear, because it's always been easy to speak too quick, right? Like, what's going on here? The Spirit gently called to my heart. In that brief moment of time, to take my mind immediately off the me focus, which is where we go just like that, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, the me focus calls daily to you. Self is always clamoring to be heard. And by God's grace, that self can be subdued. Amen. And so, that self called out to me, but I didn't respond to that self. I listened to the next impression from the Holy Spirit. You know, the Lord just quickly reminded me that my wife had been up that morning at 3.30. And that she had had a quiet time with the Lord. Sometimes she wakes up early in the morning. She had had a quiet time with the Lord. And she had spent the entire day canning on her feet. It was the first time she had sat down at this meal table. And I took a second look at her. She was exhausted. And I said, thank you, Lord. Never said a word. Just in this moment of time, husbands, God wants to call to our hearts. Take us away from the me focus to the us focus. The blended together. Because you see, some husbands would have said, and it wouldn't have been unlike me to say in those early years of my marriage, the peanut butter. You know, the direction your thumb's pointing. With sarcasm. I'm not happy about that, but there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. But instead, instead of viewing this as a power struggle, like, why isn't my wife being submissive to me? I just said, where's the peanut butter? Instead, I saw it as an opportunity to love my wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself. 
It wasn't an unsubmissive wife I was dealing with in that moment of time. It was a wife who was tired from the labors of a long day. And her husband needed to have the tenderness of Christ and get up and get the peanut butter without a fuss. Is that complicated theology, brothers and sisters? That's the power of the the gospel of Jesus Christ if we will let it work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's not complicated. It's just complicated to wait just that extra moment to hear what saith my Lord concerning this matter about my wife. That's what we're told in 1 Corinthians 13. Love, true love, suffers long and is kind. It's not easily provoked, and it doesn't think evil. And that's what we need to focus on, friends, to take the love chapter and bring it into our mind and into our hearts and into our experience and start evaluating our, our time together as husbands and wives based upon the Word of God, our decisions. Are they really following what God has for us here in 1 Corinthians? Today we'd like to share with you Four very practical, very tangible, inspired principles that have strengthened our marriage. They're not hard. They're to understand. (laughs) They may be hard for our flesh to implement, but they're easy to implement when we take hold of the power of Christ because he's the one who provides us the desire and the strength to accomplish it. I want to suggest to you, that you write these down. I'm happy to hear pages turning. That means people are getting out their papers. Because these simple things, they're not complicated things, but these simple things carried out in a marriage relationship will make a revolution in blending your hearts together. Amen. Revolution. Is that a strong word? (laughs) We serve a strong God. And it can change. He can change us. And the other thing I like about these four things we're going to talk about is they're all verbs of action. Action. Verbs of action. That means they require a choice on our part. It will require us to make a decision to accomplish these things. It's not something that's just going to happen or God's just going to do for us without a choice on our part. God wants us to surrender our hearts to him to choose his way, to choose his power, and to experience the joy that he has for us. That's right. It it isn't just a choice. I used to make choices. It's more than a choice. I used to make choices and grip my teeth to get them done. Ever done that? I'm going to do this if it kills me? That's a choice. (laughs) There's another choice, and that is that when we recognize what the Spirit is calling us to do, We can choose to yield to that impression or that direction, and then we continue to choose to yield to the power that is going to enable us to carry that choice through to the finish line. That means Christ is in control, not us, and his spirit will guide us in the way that he'd have us to go. The first one is to determine to be all that it is possible to be for the other. Did you catch that? We are to determine to be all that I can be for my husband, not for myself. 
For me, that means my emotions are under God's control. That's probably the hardest area I've had to learn to surrender to the Lord is to give him my feelings and my emotions mixed up with my thoughts. And if I am determined to be all I can be for my husband, that means God has to have my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions. It's really been a thrill to me at times, and and that's not too strong a word, a thrill to see my wife in certain situations, and I usually try to let her know at some point after I see this, (laughs) to see her... And I know that she's gone into the battle. And to see her make the decision to put herself aside. you know what an encouragement that is to a husband? To not see her go down the direction that the devil would like to take her, that self would like to take her, but to see that and recognize that she has made the decision to be empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think of how my decisions affect my husband rather than being self-focused. That has helped me so much determining to be all I can be for him, for my children. It has made me a happy wife and a happy mother in the home. Amen. When I turn my focus to myself, I am not a happy person. I am not a happy wife, and I'm not a happy mother. And my family all knows. When I determine to be all I can be, that God wants me to be, to improve our marriage and what I can be for my husband in my thoughts, my feelings, and my emotions. It makes a big difference. I want to share with the men here particularly, and it, it can apply to women too, but I, I think particularly for the men, one of the things that God helped me with early on when we started understanding what it means to work for us, not for me, to blend together, God helped me recognize that I needed to make a covenant with my eyes for my wife with the Lord. And I am thankful to God that very early in my marriage relationship, I made a covenant with my wife and with my God for my eyes. And your thoughts. And my thoughts. The eye. The eye is the window into many of the thoughts that men struggle with today. And none of us walking down the street, driving down the street, can keep from seeing a woman walk down the street, can we? No sin in that. But every one of us men can choose not to take a second look. Amen. Every one of us here. And when we take the second look, we get on dangerous ground. Even if we don't have a wrong motivation. And I'm not trying to make the issue over how many looks it takes. The issue is, have we made a covenant with God with our eyes for the sake of the woman that we've given our wholehearted affections to? We have seen, we have talked to many people who thought themselves like Eve. Eve could handle herself under the tree, right? She could handle herself under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How did she do, brothers and sisters? She failed miserably, and we've seen the results of it, haven't we? God does not want us placing ourselves there, men. We need to make a covenant with our eyes for the woman that God has given us. It has made a tremendous difference in my life. I don't trust myself. I don't think you should trust yourself either. Many great men have fallen. And we don't have to fall, brothers. Make a covenant with your eyes with the Lord. 
So whatever God puts in your hearts, determine to be all you can be for the other. Amen. God will show you individually what he wants you to commit to him. And then when you surrender that to him and you give him your whole heart, you will find that your minds in your marriage, you will have a singleness of mind. You will look at the us relationship and you will not be so focused on the self and the me. The second area is, starts with the word continue. You know that one of the hardest things to do in the Christian life is to continue? Has anyone experienced that? Consistency in the Christian life is one of the hardest things that parents face. Continue. That's an action verb. Continue the early attentions that came so easily in the courting process. Continue those early attentions. That is such a little thing But how many of us have continued or have we left off of those early attentions? I tell you that I have continued, when the Lord began to show me in very simple practical terms, I have continued to do those little early attentions. One of them is, and the Lord reminds me of it almost every morning. If he doesn't, my dear wife usually gives me a subtle hint. I put on cologne for my wife. That's what I have it for. I don't have it for you. <laughs> it's old, for her. Old spice, it's simple. But I like it. So I come up to him in the morning saying, Oh, you smell nice. <laughs> or she comes up to me and she says, Honey, <laughs> I don't smell anything. <laughs> he does it for me, and I know he does. I do buy it for him, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) Another added incentive. (laughs) Well, you know what my husband does for me. He makes our bed many times. You know, it is, I feel that's my responsibility. You know, many wives think this is our bed, and it is, so he should take responsibility, and, and I'll take responsibility. Or, you know, he sleeps as much as I do. He can at least do it. That's the wrong attitude. That's the me focus. It's blending together in singleness of mind. It's my responsibility. That is my responsibility. I like making our bed. But, you know, many mornings I come back into the room because I'm usually the first one up. And then he gets up after me. And by the time I'm done exercising, he's done exercising. Uh, I'm in the shower while he's finishing up exercise. I come back in the room and the bed is made. Such a little thing, but it makes a big difference. And you know, he turns the pillow shams so that not only the flowers are straight up, but the bows were straight up too. Isn't he sweet? (laughs) That did take some practice. (laughs) It didn't happen the first time. (laughs) He didn't even know it had bows. Didn't know it had bows that were supposed to sit up straight. Little love notes. You know, that's a, a little thing, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about such simple things. But when I travel alone, and I don't travel alone as much as I used to with the ministry. When the children were younger, sometimes I would do weekends alone. When I would travel alone, I always knew. I got to the point I was confident that when I opened my little lunch, there would be a love note from my wife. And usually there was couple from the children as well, or something tucked in my suitcase when I unpacked it. Do you know what that does, husbands? I mean, 
when do I get home? You know, <laughs> I'm missing them, right? And wives, and it works both ways, but wives can make their husbands long for the comforts of home. Amen. With hearts blended together, with the simplest little attentions, continued, 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 not stopped because Amen. life has become mundane and too busy. Continue the little attentions. It can be so simple of just getting to worship 30 seconds before your husband and laying out the hymnals and opening his hymnal to the page we're going to sing for the day. Amen. Instead of waiting until he comes up and we're ready to start and he's sitting down, okay, what number are we doing? He's flipping through the pages. I mean, many days I go through and I open the hymnal, put the hymnal open on his chair so we're ready to start. I'm thinking of him to make it convenient, easy for him. There's many things we can do, but we're sharing some of the smallest, littlest things to emphasize they send a very big message to the heart, to keep those hearts tender and blended together. All I can tell you is that the more I focus on what I can do for my wife's happiness, the happier I become. Amen. Do you understand how that works? Everything in nature receives to give. Everything we see out here in this beautiful lake, the trees, the streams, everything receives to give except who? Us. Man. Man has said, no, I want to receive and I want to keep it. I want more. Give me more. If I'm going to be happy, I want more. No, brothers and sisters. If we're going to be happy, we need to learn how to give to the happiness of our spouse. Amen. And we will receive by giving. It's wonderful. A greater happiness. Yes. Number three. Here's that next verb. Encourage each other to fight the battles of life in Christ. Amen. Did you hear that? We're to encourage our spouse to fight the battles of life. Do we have battles? Every day, don't we? The flesh, temptation, our adversary. Every day we face these little battles. And we're to encourage our spouse to fight those battles, not in the flesh, not in self, but in Christ. And I'd like to share with you how my husband does that for me. One of the most difficult battles I have ever faced in my life with my flesh is that of homeschooling my children. <laughs> Some of you have, are sympathetic. Sometimes my flesh wants to take that battle on and fight it out of Christ. You know what I mean? And when we do that, we have a very unhappy home. We have, very, we have a very distraught uh, self, don't we? We get, I mean, you have physical manifestations. Sometimes I may feel overwhelmed, like, how am I ever going to accomplish all that I need to do as a mother? How am I ever going to get my children educated? How am I ever going to train them to obedience? And you know the devil comes in there and he piles all this stuff on us at once. And sometimes we accept it. And when I'm feeling like that, overwhelmed, I can go to my husband. This is what I want to share with you, how he encourages me to fight those battles in Christ. If I'm coming to him and I'm in Christ, but I, I recognize my weakness, he'll encourage me to remain in Christ. But I can come to him when I'm not in Christ. Amen. And I can say, honey, did you know? And I'll start, you know, sharing my burdens. And he will listen to me. 
without pampering me. That means he has a heart to hear what I have to say. He doesn't justify me in my flesh and say, oh, you poor thing, and I'm going to take care of those children. <laughs> he, he listens to me, but he doesn't pamper me, but he encourages me. Honey, I know it's difficult, but you know we've seen every time until we take hold of the Lord, we will not find the solution. Amen. So let's take hold of Christ. He's got the answer. I'll help you. And then he encourages me to surrender my heart, to, to take hold of Christ, and, and to find the victory that comes in Jesus. Amen. That has been such a strength to me because I know he will not reject me. Neither do I know that he's going to throw me out and say, well, it's all your fault. I know he loves me and he will help me. Well, my wife has been a tremendous encouragement to me spiritually as well. It needs to work both ways, right? One of the greatest encouragements my wife has been to me is her faithfulness at being a morning bluebird. <laughs> she wakes in the morning just so cheerful and, you know, do you hear the birds singing, honey? What birds? <laughs> I don't hear birds. Listen. Just listen. You'll She's hear been them. a tremendous blessing. And, you know, example is our best teacher, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And she was a wonderful example, particularly in the early part of our marriage, from turning me from a night owl into a morning person. It can be done. Because I came into the marriage being the person that's going to bed late at night. And she was more of a person that went to bed at a reasonable time. And she has encouraged me tremendously in some of those little ways. Encouraged me by her example in getting up in the morning and receiving those blessings that God has. And now I love to get up in the morning. I love to be up with my Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm a bluebird in the morning. But he is hearing the birds now. But I am hearing the birds now. And making the decision to be what God is asking me to be in the morning. That's the kind of encouragement we need to give to each other. Don't hammer on each other. Encourage each other. Because hammering doesn't make it work. That's right. And if it does work, it only works out of fear and intimidation. The hammering actually drives that wedge between us. It doesn't bind our hearts together. So we share with you two simple examples on how we can encourage each other. Again, you have to implement it in your heart and in your home according to how the Spirit is there to call to your hearts. The fourth area starts with the word study. Who likes to study? <laughs> Good. Well, this one is study to advance the happiness of each other. Very interesting, isn't it? Study to do what? Study to advance the happiness of each other. Have you tried that? Have you tried looking for ways to make the other person happy? We're not talking about self-indulgence here. Mm -hmm. We're looking at ways to make home happy. We're looking at ways to make our spouse's life easier, to lighten the burdens to make her life more happy. I remember one day I was sitting there reading 
And the Lord just impressed it upon my heart as I was reading. Do all that you can to make your wife happy. That's pretty straight, isn't it? Simple. And through the day, all through the day, that kept coming back to my mind whenever I was with my wife. And I knew it. (laughs) That's how the Spirit gets access to it, to us. He now has something he can remind us of. Because before I read that, I hadn't thought of just looking for ways all through the day to make my wife happy. You know, I've talked to many men, and they've said, you know, I'm just having trouble in communication, and I'm having trouble when I try to to talk to my wife, and I'm having trouble. She won't won't take up the work with the children. She's having trouble here. and, And what do I do? And I said, have you studied how to be the husband God is calling you to be? No. I said, I have spent time and continue to spend time studying how to be a better husband. And it's never been a waste of time, brothers. Looking at the principles that gives God more access to my mind and how I can reach out to my wife. And you know, many of the things that I used to complain to my wife about, as I studied to be a better husband, they disappeared. Amen. Can you imagine that? As I started being a better husband to my wife, in studying to reach more of her happiness, I found many of the things that I was troubled by in my wife starting to disappear because of my responsibility. So I have studied, too, not how my husband is to be a husband, but how I'm to be a wife. That's where we need to focus. So many wives find it very frustrating in their marriage because they read all about what the husband's to become and to be, and they say, my husband's not this, 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 and this. I say, quit reading what your husband's supposed to do. Start reading what God wants you to do and who God wants you to become. So there's the physical studying God's word to find the principles there, his counsel there for us to encourage us. But the study in my, the way I think of it, goes beyond that. It's mentally applying my mind Thinking mentally, studying mentally, ways to make my husband happy. And when I'm doing these canning projects, I'm thinking of how much we're all going to enjoy it. I'm doing it for him and for my family. It makes it the, the labor not so intense, not such a drudgery. It makes it joyful. And, and other things we do together, a lot of things we do together to help each other. Sometimes he'll help me do the canning. Sometimes I'll help him do the painting or do a building project. Looking for ways that we can keep ourselves blended together in our minds and in our thoughts. It's fun to stretch yourself. No, it isn't fun. I shouldn't say that. It's exciting, the results of stretching yourself. Okay? And the reason that I could so quickly say it was fun and then I corrected myself, because it wasn't fun initially. Have you ever stretched muscles that you haven't used very much? Is that fun? (laughs) Not the next day. But it's fun to stretch yourself when you start recognizing the results that follow, the fruit that follows. Now it becomes more enjoyable to let God stretch us in areas we're not comfortable with for the sake of this union together with God. I'd like to share a little experience that we had last summer that was... Just a little highlight in our day that we've never forgotten. One of the things that's very 
important for me is to have sunshine. You heard me talking about cheerfulness the other day. Well, I, my body respond, responds beautifully to sunshine, and my family knows I get physical, mental, and spiritual benefits when I get outside in the fresh air and sunshine. Amen. And they encourage me to take time to go rest or go out and weed a garden or whatever just to be out in the sun. Well, this particular day, I was a little bit on the tired side, and my husband said to me, Honey, why don't you take your lawn chair and go sit down by the pond in the backyard? Get a little sun time. Well, I thought, yeah, I should, but... And you know what happens in my mind? I start thinking of all the things I have left to do. You know what I mean? So I, I recognized a spirit calling to my heart, and I made the decision because my husband was encouraging me. See, he was looking for my best good in that, wasn't he? And so I said, yes, I'll go outside. I put all my other thoughts and all my other things I had to do aside, and I took my little chair and went outside and sat on the deck by the pond. And just a few minutes later, he came out too. You know what? That gave me another message. It told me that he was interested in me and that he wanted to take time with me. Now, I knew he had a pile of stuff to do too, but he was choosing to spend his time with me out there, and we were visiting and talking. And as we were sitting there thinking of everything we had to do, we thought, well, you know, we can just do some of those things out here and enjoy each other's company. So we began to do some planning for our ministry out there. Then what happened? Then what happened? <laughs> you want me to tell them what happened? Sure. Well, my wife became extremely like a sunbeam. Right? Exactly. <laughs> That's the part you want me to tell. <laughs> well, anyway, it was a beautiful experience. She did. <laughs> I didn't know what other part she wanted to tell. She, now, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. She, if she doesn't get in the sunshine, she doesn't get depressed. You know, some people get cabin fever and they get depressed. But when she gets in the sunshine... I it, get energy. It just energizes her. When I get in the sunshine, I say, Honey, I can only take this for so long. And then I've got to have shade. She just gets energized. She just gets like a sunbeam. And, and so, of course, it's a benefit to me because it's a wonderful blessing. Well, it was a blessing for us that day. It has been many times, but this particular day, because I knew he was doing it because for my good, first to get me out there, secondly, for our good, he wanted to spend that time with me, and thirdly, for the good of others, because we had a wonderful time sharing thoughts and ideas and talking about how we could better work in our own home, work for the Lord as we go out with other people. And as we shared this with you, we, we saw that in this one little illustration, we began to show those little tensions often. You know, you can go out, honey, and take a little time. He, he was encouraging me to uh, do what he knew was good for my health, for my mental health, and we just found it a tremendous blessing. And I was determining, one of the other of the four was, I was determining in my mind how I could be the best for her in that situation, how I could maximize the time. And so we took some of the work outside, which would not normally be anything to me. I'd rather set up my desk and do the work. But there again, trying to think of how I could make her time more special out there, being all that I could be for her. It pays rich dividends, brothers and sisters. It's wonderful to work towards singleness of mind. 
balanced purpose, desire to work together, to blend together. Love seeketh not her own. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.